come on, you can stay standing. Let's welcome Richmond, Mosley, Chesterfield County Jail, Farmers of Correction. And if you would just stay standing today, today's a special day for us. You guys may not know this, but October is Pastor Appreciation Month. And so I just want to take a minute. Actually, Pastor Brandon and Katie are over at Mosley right now. Come on, everybody. Say hi to Mosley. What's up, Mosley? They're hanging with our team there. And so I just want to take a minute real quick, and I want to honor Pastor Brandon and Katie, who lead this church so well. They lead it with strength. They lead it with honor. And I'll tell you this right now. They're, they're a couple who don't just just focus on the systems of the church, help the church grow, all the great things God's doing. Come on, how many we're breaking ground around here, we're multiplying campuses, God's doing great things. But I want you to know this right now, they're, they're a couple who know you by name, and they know your story. In fact, if you've been to the chapel one or two weeks, I guarantee you, Pastor Brandon and Katie probably know your name, and they know your story. Some of the, the, the last people to leave the building, some of the first to show up. And so we got a couple of gifts that we want to share, that we're going to send them away on a weekend trip. I know they're not here, but you can see these gifts, guys. We're going to put them on your seat waiting for you. And I know that God has just blessed us with such an amazing uh, anointed pastor. So come on, can we give it up for our pastors? Pastor Brandon, Katie, we love you guys. Thank you. We honor you. Come on, give somebody a high five as you're seated today. Tell them that you're so excited it's fall out there. Come on, tell them. Say, I'm excited that it's fall today. It's fall. And let me tell you, I love fall. I love Thanksgiving. I know everybody's trying to celebrate Christmas before it gets here. Come on, I'm not one of those people in the room. But it's time to honor our pastor, so I won't say too much about that because I know he loves Christmas first, right? Well, hey, I'm so excited to be with you guys today. I know we talked about Fall Fest. Fall Fest is next week. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be exciting. You heard Pastor KJ and Emma talk a little bit about that. And uh, you see the smart car that's hanging out in the front there collecting some candy donations. But we love Fall Fest around here. It's actually... One of the things we believe as a church, we want to make a difference. We want people to know God, find freedom. And one of the ways we make a difference is by making an impact in our community. How many know that the community knows we're here? Come on. We lit off some fireworks in July, and we're, we're breaking ground. And there's Fall Fest is one of our biggest things we do. So invite your friends, family, jump in, be a part of it with us. If you want to sign up and, and do a trunk, do that as well. Bring some candy. But this is a great event to meet people in the church. But hey, we're so thankful for you guys, the generous giving of our congregation, the way that you're accommodating. I pulled in today, and my son Caleb was like, Dad, why is there a big fence everywhere around the property? And I'm like, Caleb, we weren't joking last week when we said we're breaking ground. And so now I know you, you, you pulled in today, and there's like a whole bunch of different things. Our parking team had to, had to pivot and do things a little differently. Come on, can you honor our parking team? They're amazing. Make sure you treat them nice when you pull into the property. We're so thankful for them. But hey, I'm, I'm thankful to be here today. We're actually kicking off a brand new series. It's called Who, What, Where, When, Why, and How. And it's based off of questions really that you asked at our Easter survey. Every year we send out an Easter survey and we ask, hey, what are some things you want to hear about? And so all throughout this, this series, we're going to be talking about questions that you asked. And today, I actually get to jump in with what I think is one of the greatest questions that was asked. And it's really this, and it's how do I hear God's voice? And I love this question because it actually implies that God is speaking. How many know that God is a speaking God? Amen? Since the dawn of time when he first spoke the words, let there be light, God has been speaking, he's been creating, he's been revealing things to us since the dawn of time. And he also, in Revelation, it says at the end, he who has ears to hear, let them hear. So the truth is this, is God is a speaking God. And he's speaking not just to us as a group, or as a church, listen to me, he's speaking to you. 
He's speaking into your life. He's going to reveal things to you. He's showing you things. So today we want to talk about that. In fact, the most important factor in your future, it's not your background. It's not your success. It's not your education. It's not the opinions of other people. The most important factor in your life is hearing the voice of God. Everything in our life is attached to his voice. And so as we listen to God, he begins to show us the way. In fact, I read this quote recently by Dallas Willard. It's so true. If God doesn't speak today, then the greatest disservice we could ever do to people is to tell them that they could have a personal relationship with God. And the truth is this, is that we can have a personal, intimate, real relationship with the creator of the universe. Like he didn't just die on the cross to save us for our sins, not to talk to us. Like, he's a God that wants to engage. He's a God that is constantly speaking to us. God wants to be in step with you. He has opinions about your life, about where you go, what you do, how you live it. He wants to speak encouragement to you. He wants to lift you up. He wants to build you up. And I really love, actually, in John chapter 10, how Jesus uses this metaphor about how God speaks to us. And he says that the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep, here it is, listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So he's got this relationship with his sheep where he knows their name, knows the hair count on their head. And then it says this, when he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. How many are thankful that God goes in front of us? Amen. That he's a shepherd that leads us, that guides us, that brings us into all truth. Like he's not just beside us or behind us. He's actually out in front of us and he's leading us. And then Jesus says this, But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. In fact, I wrote it down like this. They have learned how to tune out the wrong voices. And I really believe that's for us to hear today. In fact, I got a chance to see this in action. I was in Israel this past March with a team of people from our church. And I got to be in Nazareth. And I saw like this whole collision of two shepherds with two different flocks of sheep coming together at once. It was on the streets of Nazareth. It was so cool to see. And all of a sudden, these sheep, all looking the same, just kind of merged and got convoluted into each other. And then the shepherds were going in different directions. But as soon as the shepherds spoke, and it was in a quiet voice, the sheep knew exactly where to pivot and which shepherd to follow. And I want you to know that is exactly what God desires for us today, that we would have a relationship with him. And I believe with all my heart that God does speak to us. In fact, some of the most pivotal moments of my life happened Because I discern the voice of God. In fact, I want to tell you about three of them real quick. It was the first time I ever called into ministry. I remember hearing the voice of God. The first time I really knew what I was going to do with my life. I was probably about 12 or 13 years old. And for those that know, my father is an inner city church planner. And so I was raised in the inner city of New York City. And as a PK always does, I was spending most of the day, you know, on a Saturday at church. Okay, that's just what we do. And that's what happens at times for PKs. We're at church a lot. So one of the board members said to me, hey, I want you to go on the back. I want you to cut the lawn. And so the lawn in the back was a small little patch of lawn. It wasn't a lot, but it was so high because it wasn't tended, you know, at all. And so I went into the shed, and I was like, what am I going to cut the lawn with? You know, it's so high. And I saw this machine, and I grabbed it, and I, you know, I pulled the cable, and we started to mow the lawn. And I was like, this is interesting. It doesn't seem like this is working the way it should, but it's doing the job as it looked behind me, you know. And, and I get done, and the board member comes out, and he's like, what did you do? And I was like, I cut the lawn. He said, but you used a snowblower. And I remember, man, this is a true story. I remember just, he's like, you got to get all that out of there. So I'm just taking out the grass and, and I'm like so discouraged, you know, come on. I was raised in New York City. We didn't have a lot of grass to cut. Okay. And, and I remember sitting on the stoop of the church 
And I was so discouraged, you know, in that moment. And I really feel like God saw me. All of a sudden, this man comes walking down. And he had to be a homeless guy. He had a clear garbage bag with bottles in it. He probably was going to deposit them. And he had his book bag, which was probably all of his belongings. And he looked like he was struggling. And all of a sudden, there's this fence next to my dad's church. And he collapsed, grabbed onto the fence, fell to the ground. And so I went over to him. I picked him up and brought him over to the stoop. And, and you know, I could tell something was up, but I didn't know. And so... You know, we called 911, and in the meantime, I got him some food, and I got him a little bit of Gatorade that was inside, you know, the fridge of the church, and the ambulance came, EMS came, and, uh, you know, pretty much what had happened is that he was a diabetic, and he needed a little bit of sugar, you know, so the, the guy said to me, man, I'm so happy that you did this for him because he, he needed that, you know, and I can still remember he gets lift up on the stretcher, going into the ambulance, and I can see the guy laying in that stretcher, and he just gives me a thumbs up like this, and it was right there in this moment that God said to me, listen, you might not have been good at the snowblower thing, <laughs> but he said, I'm, I'm calling you to this. And it was in that moment that I heard the voice of God say, this is where I'm leading you in your life. In fact, I remember the second time I was getting ready to marry Bridget and, and I was getting ready to ask her to be my wife. And, and, you know, I was nervous and excited at the same time. And I was like, man, you know, is this, is this what my rest of my life, is this what I'm doing, God? And I remember God said to me immediately, like, this is the woman that you're going to marry. How many know it was the best decision I ever made in my life? Amen. And then the third time, I remember God speaking to me clearly. Again, it wasn't an audible voice, but I could hear his, his spirit speaking to me, was to actually move from New York to Richmond. And so me and my family have been here for eight years now, and we heard the voice of God call us out of New York where we had something comfortable. We knew our family there. I had been pastoring there for years, was raised there. I didn't know nothing about the South. Come on, let me tell you right now. And I came down south, and I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anything here. I didn't understand why people were always saying, bless your heart to me and saying hi to me all the time. But how many know I'm a Richmonder now, and I'm so thankful to be here in this church? And I, and I say this to you because I want you to hear this. God is speaking. He's always speaking. And I want to pose this idea. It's not that God has a speaking problem. We actually have a hearing problem. God has never stopped speaking in your life. I want you to hear that right now. If I, can, if I can just, anything right now theologically that might be in your brain, I want you to know God is always speaking. He's always revealing. So today I want to jump into God's word, and I want to talk a little bit about what does it look like for us to hear from God. But before we do that, I want to highlight three what I would call great distractions that can actually keep us from hearing God speak. Here's the first one, and it is busyness. Come on, we all know this. It's very difficult to hear, hear anyone if you're too busy to be with them in that relationship. And this is becoming a chronic thing in our society. A lot of us are stressed out because we have so much happening in our lives. In fact, it's even become like this badge of honor, right? Someone asks you, how are you doing? You're like, man, I'm busy, right? I got so much going on. You wouldn't even know what my schedule looks like and, and feels like, right? We've become so busy. And I want to tell you this. I believe the greatest enemy of our heart is busyness. It's keeping us distracted, preoccupied. And Jesus, I love when you look at his life, because even though he had a full schedule, even though he was super busy, even he would even leave people out into the fields and forget to bring food, right? This is where the feeding of the 5,000 happened. Like, he had a full schedule, but he didn't allow the chaos around him to become the chaos inside of him. He always got alone with the Father. He always spent time. This is why he would say things like, I only say to you what the Father has said to me. See, God was speaking and he was listening. And there's this one story that Jesus shares. I love it about a sister named Martha in the book of Luke. And it says she had a sister named Mary who seated herself at the Lord's feet and was listening to his teaching. 
So even though she had so many tasks to do, so many to do things that weren't completed, she chose to stop in that moment and she went to where Jesus was. She sat at his feet and she listened to him. And it says this, and I love how the Amplified Version says it, but Martha, overly occupied and too busy, was what? Distracted with much serving, with all the stuff that she had to do. And I think that is a lot of us in life right now, that we have so many things that can be distracting us. And we want to hear from God, but we've got so much going on. And the truth is, we're never going to hear from God clearly unless we slow down a bit and take time for him. In fact, I love whenever I'm asking friends to hang out or like, you know, we want to do something at the church. And I hear especially a lot of guys say, man, I got to check, you know, with my wife. You know, they got this big calendar in the house. Come on, you're one of those people who got a big calendar somewhere. Maybe it's on your phone. And I've even walked in and seen like this whiteboard of calendars, you know. And I, and I love that. I think it's great to be organized. But you know what some of us need to start doing is putting God on our calendar. You know, we're so good at appointments of going to the gym. We're so good at appointments for doctors or maybe even appointments here at the church. I think it's imperative for us to say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make it a non-movable object on my calendar that I'm going to spend time with God right now. And I tell you, this is a powerful thing in our life. In fact, Psalms 46 says it like this, that we have to be still to find out that he is God. That in the stillness, in the quietness, in the lean back moments, we actually discover who God is. And I wrote it like this, and I think it's so true. The quieter that you become, the more that you can hear his voice. And so here's a challenge for you. Even today on Sunday, on a Sunday where a lot of people may not be working, you come to church. Here's a challenge for you. Maybe on a Sunday, you don't fill up your schedule with so many other things to do. Maybe you treat your Sunday like a Sabbath and you take breaks and you take rest. Maybe you go for a walk today. In fact, if you grab anything from the message today, I'm telling you, go home and take a nap today. Come on. How many know that naps are spiritual? They are. Come on, that's right. You're going to clap for anything today. Let's clap for that right there. And you know, it's funny. I know we laugh, but this is really true. Come on, Western civilization, our culture, we love to work hard. We love to conquer things. We love to take things over. We love to grow things. And let me tell you, that is one of the great things about our country and who we are. But I'll tell you this. There can also be an opposite effect to that, and that is we don't know how to chill out. We don't know how to rest. And so we think that if we work harder, God's going to bless us more. But the truth is this, is when we are at rest, God is doing his greatest work. And so resting is a big part of our life. And so one of the great, I would say, distractions of our life is busyness. But here's the next one right here, and that is competing voices. In other words, God can be yelling at you, but if there's 100,000 other voices yelling at you, you're not going to be able to zone in on him. It's like being in a baseball stadium with everyone who's just kind of cheering and yelling, and Jesus is across the way. He's trying to download some truth into you, but you can't hear him because they have all these other voices. Well, you take away all these other voices, even if he's far away and it's just you and him, you're going to hear his voice reverberate in that stadium. And you can hear more clearly when you get rid of all these competing voices. These things that are clamoring for your attention, trying to put thoughts in your mind, trying to make you think about things or develop narratives in your life that are not true at all. I would call these competing voices. In fact, many people would come to Jesus and Jesus would say, come and follow me. And, and they would have excuses for them, right? In, in Luke chapter 14, but they all alike begin to make excuses. The first said, I have bought a field and I must go and see that field. Please excuse me. God, I have property I have to take care of. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. I've got to test this thing out for my business and I'm growing it. And, and I, please excuse me. Someone else says, I just got married and so I can't come. And so I have this relationship. And the point is, that there's always a reason why, isn't there? There's always something that will keep us 
away from spending time with the Lord. There's things in our life that we have to do, these competing voices that if we don't temper them, if we don't create boundaries around them, they will overgrow into every area of our life and we'll find ourselves at a place where we're not hearing God's voice anymore. And in fact, when we really think about this, I think one of the big ones in the room, come on, is digital things. How many know that? Let's just call it out for what it is, our phones, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, TikTok, I mean, name it. Who remembers back in the days where there was MySpace? Come on, where are my MySpace people in the room? Or Zanga, that's taking it real far back, right? I mean, I'm telling you, there's so many things. It's not like we, we can, like, I'm not saying we have to eliminate all these things. Like, get rid of all, throw out your phone. I know there's, there's times people can preach that. Maybe you're a person who homesteads, and you're like, I'm not going to have any technology. That's great, but I'll tell you, sometimes it's not realistic, right? But we spend so much time looking at what everyone else is doing on these devices, and it creates these competing voices within us. We do it when we wake up, and we realize how much it costs. We don't realize how much it's costing us in the distraction of it. In fact, there's a stat that I read in preparation for today that kids ages 8 to 18 spend 7.5 hours a day on media. Now, I know some of you might want to hear this, but that means you probably need to hear this. That's 53 hours a week. That's 136 days a year. And for adults, to say it's about 2.5 hours a day. That's 38 days in a year. Think about it. God barely has a chance when we give him one hour a week on Sunday because of all these competing voices that are clamoring for our attention. And so I know that I've been guilty of this, and I'm not saying that you have to actually get rid of these things, but maybe you have to alter some stuff. So recently, I decided to do something, right? Because in the mornings, I'd wake up, and the first thing I'd grab a hold of is my phone. It's right there next to my bed because it's my alarm clock, right? But then I see a notification, or come on, how many know even the glow of the phone? You're like, man, I want to look on social media today. I want to check the weather. You name it. You're just immediately drawn to it. So I decided to get an old-school, old-fashioned alarm clock. Come on. I even looked up online for like the old school one with the brown, you know, and the red letters. You know what I'm talking about. I was like, I'm going to get something real old school. And so I ordered an alarm clock. And I remember when it first arrived to the house, my daughter, Isley, was there. And she sees it. And she's like, Dad, what's this? I'm like, it's an alarm clock. And she's like, what does that do? You know, I was like, it tells the time. And you can set an alarm on it. And she's like, you can't watch movies on it. You can't do Spotify. She starts like saying to it, Alexa, Alexa. I'm like, it's not how it works, hon. And you know what? I have this old-fashioned alarm clock, and now every day it wakes me up to this very annoying beeping sound. But I hit it, and I just sit there, and I got no distractions. And I want you to know I'm not perfect at it right now. I'm trying it, and this is something that we can do in our lives. We can set some boundaries, and even though we have technology, we cannot allow technology to run our life. We can actually run technology. And then we create space for God to speak. And I want you to hear this as we move on. God will speak to you. In fact, Hebrews says it like this. Since we are surrounded by so many examples of the faith, we must get rid of everything that slows us down, especially sin that distracts us. We must run the race that lies ahead of us and never give up. We must, come on, say it with me, focus on Jesus. And we must focus on him in order to hear him. And he's not gonna barge in. He's not gonna come in. And he's not gonna just kind of overcompete with the voices in your life. He's gentle. He's humble. He's light. He wants to meet with you, but he wants to come into a place that is ready to meet with him. And so this is one of the great distractions. Here's another great distraction that I believe is so true. Actually, 
This is something I wrote that I forgot to tell you about. To hear God's voice, you've got to turn down the world's volume. I think that's so true. Think about it even in the sense if you have the remote control in your hand, you have the ability in your life to turn down the world's volume. Here's the third thing that we see in the great distraction, and that is what I would call the unprepared heart. Many times Jesus is saying, listen, I'm speaking. I've been talking more than you realize, but the problem is that it's not landing because you really haven't prepared yourself to receive the words that I'm sharing with you. And this is something that I think about a lot. I have to ask myself, am I ready to receive the word that God has for me? Because every day he's speaking, but am I too hurried, too rushed, too much on the go that I don't prepare myself to receive from God. Even before I come to church, I have to tell myself on the car ride here, man, I'm going to pray and I'm going to say to the Lord, God, I'm coming to church today. I know I'm a little disheveled this morning. I know there's a lot of things that happened last night, but God, I'm coming and I want to be ready for whatever you have for me today. It is as simple as that. In fact, I love this passage. One of my favorite things Um, parables that Jesus ever spoke was about the seed, the sower, and the soil. He gives this great analogy of the seed actually being the word of God. And if you got to hear Pastor KJ preach a message about this in the summer, it was so good on the whole parable. And he had this image on the stage where he had seed in his hand and he was casting it on the stage. And the stage just kind of represents our heart. It's this hard wood right now. And if you cast a seed on this hard wood and you come back in a month, it's just gonna be seed on the wood. But if this was fertile soil, And we took the same seed and we casted it on the stage. Even if you came back in a few days, you would see some sprouting taking place. You see, in our life, the word of God is the seed and the soil is our heart. And when we're prepared to receive the word that God is always presenting to us and it sets roots inside of a fertile soil, let me tell you right now, there's nothing the enemy could ever do to take away that word from your life. In fact, it says it like this in Matthew. Jesus says, when anyone hears news of the kingdom and doesn't take it in, it just remains on the surface. And so the evil one comes along and plucks it right out of that person's heart. This is why it's so important for us that we have to make sure that we are ready to receive the word that God has for us. In fact, I wrote it down like this. God comes to a prepared environment. So God loves to be welcomed in. He's not going to kick the door down and say, hey, everybody, I'm here. Listen, it's time to straighten this place up. No, no, God comes in. He knocks. He waits at the door. And when you've prepared the place, he comes in. And let me tell you, he will share things with you that the world cannot share with you. He'll reveal things to you that this world cannot reveal to you. You know, I think about even the fact I'm so thankful for our teams. Every Sunday morning, they come in here real early. We got a killer building team that turns on the lights before even our volunteers get here. We make sure the coffee's ready. The worship team is here like 6 o'clock in the morning, and they're getting ready for worship. Our kids' ministry is rocking. It's killer. They're getting ready for all the things there. And then you come into a place where everyone's prepared and ready to go. But imagine if that was not the case. Come on, imagine if we didn't get here in time, didn't turn the lights off, and you're walking in, we're like, hey, can you grab the lights over there, you know, and, and we didn't make any coffee. Anybody here can make some coffee this morning? We don't have our coffee team with us, and, and you know what? The team didn't really show up on pitch today. Anybody can sing this note today. It's a little tough for us, and no, what would happen is, is if you walked into that place, you'd probably walk right out real quietly, and just like us, God loves to come to a prepared place. 
In fact, he loves to make his home inside of us. And so I love how 2 Corinthians says this. It says, let's make a clean break with everything that defiles or distracts us, both within and without. Anything that's inside of our heart that we need to get rid of and the exterior things of our life that we need to actually set boundaries around, let's make our entire lives fit in holy temples for the worship of God. And I want to tell you that God is passionate about this and that as we carve out the distractions that don't belong, He'll speak to us. But I'll tell you this right now. He loves you so much and cares for you so deeply that if you don't begin to do that in your life, he will prepare a place for you to do that. He'll actually take the time as a good gardener does, as a good shepherd, and he'll bring you into a season where he begins to prune things back for you because God so desperately wants to speak to you. In fact, I had a season of like that in my life at one point. I was about in my junior year of college and I had to do an internship and so part of my um, just academic you know, undergrad, I was going to a school in Florida. I had a link in with the church, and for three months, I was going to serve that church, learn a lot about church ministry. And so, I, remember, I'm from New York City, and so I landed this internship in Concord, North Carolina. Come on, somebody. And I remember, I mean, I'd never been to the South, because let me tell you, Florida is not the South, in case anybody needs to know that. It's just like a transplant of like New York and New Jersey. They just came down to sunnier weather, all right? So I didn't know what the South was until I went to Concord, North Carolina. In fact, somebody um, corrected me. They're like, it's not Concord, it's Concord, okay? If you're going to be talking about North Carolina. And so I remember leaving Penn Station, New York, and Manhattan on an Amtrak train, and I got to North Carolina and at about 10.30 at night, and you know they had this whole host home set up for me. I was going to spend three months with this family, and, and then I was going to you know, do the internship, and it was a really cool bond that you make with these families. And I remember getting there, and somebody picks me up I'd never met before, and I get in the car, and he's like, hey, so glad to have you here. I want to let you know there's been a change in plans. I'm like, all right. Um, he's like, the host home we have for you isn't available anymore. Something fell through, but we got you your own place. And I was like, okay, this sounds exciting, my own place, great. And so we're driving like, you know, deep into North Carolina. It's dark. He turns right on this country road. And all of a sudden it dawns on me. I don't know who this guy is. And he's taking me to a place I've never been before. I mean, like, literally, you could put me in the inner city streets. I'll do great. But you put me in the sticks. I'm like, what is that sound? And so I, I remember we pull up and it's this cabin in the woods. And it was, I guess, a piece of property the church had owned. And he brought me in. And there was no Wi-Fi. There was no cell service. There was a rotary phone on the wall, okay? People under 25, I'll let you know what that is after service. And I remember he showed me around. There was a mattress on the floor. There was a table with one chair. I mean, yeah, you dream it up. It was that. And then I remember he said to me, it was a Friday night. He's like, man, we're so excited to have you here. I'll pick you up Sunday morning. And then he just left. I mean, he just left, and I didn't know what to do. <laughs> and I'll tell you this, to make a long story short, those three months were some of the most transformational months of my entire life. In fact, I still pull from that season in my life. See, I was a pastor's kid raised in church my whole life, knew all the right answers, knew all the lingo, knew all the things to say. But it was in this season that God really began to break me down because I had been filled up with so much information, had so many different distractions. And I had always thought that my conversation with God was a one-sided one. But it was in that season that I realized it's not one-sided. It's very much two-sided. In fact, God is always speaking to you. He's always sharing revelations to you. I, I read this book in that season called Practicing the Presence of God by a guy named Brother Lawrence. And it taught me he was a dishwasher at a monastery. That doesn't matter where you're at, what you're doing, in any moment, you have access to the presence of God. 
And so today I want to leave you with these three ideas of how can we actually hear from God. So we know what the distractions are, but how do we actually hear from God? How can you hear from God? How can you know that God is speaking to you? I want to share this out of a story in 1 Samuel. This is actually a story of Samuel and Eli. So let me just tell you the story about this young man who heard the voice of God where there was this old man that got locked into his ways and just mundane in the routine that had not heard the voice of God. And it starts like this. It's not in your notes, but this is the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. And in those days, listen to this, the word of the Lord was rare, and there were not many visions. One night, Eli, who was his mentor, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out, and listen to where Samuel is. Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and then the Lord called to Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to where his mentor Eli was and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I didn't call you. He said, go back to bed. And so he went back and he lied down. Again, the Lord called to Samuel and Samuel got up and he went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. My son Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So here it is a third time. God calls Samuel, and Samuel gets up. He runs to Eli and says, here I am, you called me. And then Eli, in that moment, realized that it must be the Lord that's calling the boy. And so Eli says to Samuel, go lie down, and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. If there's anything you grab today, it is this simple prayer that when God speaks to us, we return to him, and we say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went back. He lied down in his usual place. The Lord came and stood there calling again, as he did other times. Samuel, Samuel. I love this picture. God never gives up. He always is speaking. He's always calling out to us. But this time, Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to him, Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle pretty much what he's saying is i'm going to show you in other words what it looks like to hear my voice how many believe and know that god is a speaking god amen he's a god that's revealing things to us and so i want you to know these three things today that as god's speaking as he's talking to us we're going to hear his his voice as we read his word and we can't graduate past this listen even if you're in the room right now you're like man i get it the bible right we'll never graduate past this nor should we ever graduate past this. In fact, it says here that, that, that Samuel was laying by the lamp. What is the lamp? In fact, in Psalms, it says it like this. It says, your word is like a lamp for my feet. It's a light to my path. The word of God actually will illuminate truths to us. It will tell us things about ourselves and even about the world around us that no preacher, no person in your life could ever tell you. The word of God is powerful. It's an error. It's without error. It's God-breathed. Everything that you need is wrapped up into this word. And a lot of times in our faith, we will skip this and we'll listen to a podcast, right? We'll skip this and put on our favorite preacher or maybe favorite worship song. And I want you to know right now, if you want to hear God's voice, you cannot skip past this. There is so much that God wants to say to you, so much that he's speaking to you. And I'll tell you this right now. There's a great adversary that wants to steal, kill, and destroy, it says in John chapter 10. And one of the ways he does that is he robs this from our life. This is a sword. This is a weapon in our hands, and he knows that. He'll do everything he can. In fact, a lot of people will say, I don't hear from God. And I'll say this phrase to them that complaining about a silent God while your Bible's closed 
It's like complaining about not getting text messages when your phone's off, right? Like, it's just not going to happen. And so the word of God is powerful in our life. It's a light that lights up our path. It gives us life. In fact, Matthew even says that man cannot live on bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. So what does that mean? That means that every part of your life is attached to his voice. Every aspect of who you are, the decisions you make, the things that you do, God is wrapped up in all those details. Let me tell you, he has something to say about it all. He doesn't just speak into certain topics and not other topics. There is no topic that can't be found in this book right here. God is a speaking God. In fact, if you're in the room, you're like, man, I haven't read my Bible in a long time. Listen, we're entering a new season right now in fall. Why don't we ante up? Why don't we say, you know what? I'm gonna read the word of God like I've never read before. And even if that means that I'm only gonna read one verse a day, I'm not gonna let a day go without me opening up this book and hearing from God. A great place to start, I think, is actually in the book of John. John is a phenomenal book to start. And I even tell people, you wanna drill down more. I tell them this. I say, hey, read John chapter 13 through 17. Even just take the first week and read those. You're going you're gonna to see what happens in your life as God's going to start to reveal things to you. So here's the second way. So it's not just as we read God's word. Here's the second way. It's as we cultivate his presence. And this is so huge for us. I love it. Uh, Samuel is where he's by the ark. Where my Indiana Jones fans come on in the room. Raiders of the Lost Ark. There's a lot of people that didn't know about that last service, so I feel really old, but... It's an amazing movie, right? And so you see like the ark and you see these angels with their, with their hands kind of pointing towards each other. It's creating this, what people call the mercy seat. And so really what the mercy seat was is there was this physical manifestation of God. Like you can actually see it in the Old Testament. It said that it was a cloud by day and that it was a fire by night. And, and so you could see this and people would come all around and they would pursue this. And I want you to know as a church, this is huge to us. This is why we even say that we're a presence-driven church because we're not just focusing on the promises of God. We don't want to go anywhere that God has not already been. We don't want to do anything unless God's already been there. In fact, even when we were breaking ground, this is why we anointed the ground with oil. This is why we started off with worship because even though God has promised this to us, we say, God, we don't want to step into your promise without your presence, amen? And in our own life, when we cultivate the presence of God, we begin to hear God's voice. In fact, I love that the ark is this illustration in the Old Testament, but I want you to know in the New Testament that the presence of God actually can dwell within us. Like, we don't have to go to a temple anymore. We don't have to go to where the ark is anymore. We actually have access to the Holy Spirit and to the presence of God every single day of our life. And I want you to know right now that he wants to show us some things. And how do we actually access, I would say, the presence of God? I would tell you that one of the ways that we do it is through worship. It's through us coming into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. It's us actually carving out time to worship before the Lord. And I really think this is powerful. In fact, if you're trying to find God, just worship, he's going to find you. When you worship, it will attract the presence of God in your life in a very powerful way. In fact, I'll even think about this, and I wrote it down this way, that waiting on God, I believe, is how we can begin a conversation with him. A lot of times we're so quick to get into God, this is what I need, and this is what I want. We get to our supplications. Let me tell you, he loves to hear that. He's a God that says, cast all of his cares upon, you, upon him because he cares for you. But let me tell you this right now. Why don't you practice taking a few minutes to do this? Wait on God. Before you jump to, I need this, or this is what's happening in my life, or here's the complication, or here's what's taking place, or here's where I need healing for. Before you even jump into that, why don't you wait on him? 
And even in the waiting, maybe even before you jump into reading, maybe even before you start praying, what if you just started worshiping him? Maybe you, fit, you sing one of your favorite hymns or your favorite worship songs. I want you to know right now, if you're trying to find God, just worship him. He's going to come to you because he's attracted to our worship. It's almost the way that we would prepare a place for the Lord is that we would start it with worship music. And I'll tell you this, First Chronicles actually says that the eyes of the Lord are looking throughout the earth, not for people who showed up to church, okay? I'm glad you're here. But he's looking for people who have hearts that are fully devoted to him. And in Jesus, John says this about worshipers. He says, the hour is coming and is now here. And I believe this is so true for the day that we live in, where the Father is seeking those, right, who will worship him in spirit and truth. But look at this world. God is seeking those. He's literally looking out. He's like, man, where are my worshipers? Where are the people that truly desire me to meet with them? It says in the Old Testament that he's actually trying to find his resting place. And let me tell you where that resting place is, the place that he can lay his head. That's inside of you and that's inside of me. God can actually come and be in our homes, be in our cars, be in our conversations. He wants to make his home in you. And here's the third and last way that I believe that we hear his voice. And it's actually as we respond to what he's saying. Where is Samuel? Samuel's in the temple. Eli was in the usual place that he was. Nobody was hearing the voice of God because people kind of really gave up on it. But where was Samuel? He had this expectation. He had this anticipation. He had this desire. So he would sleep in the temple. He waited. He was exactly where God wanted him to be. I think many people believe you don't have to go to church, right? That you can just listen to a podcast or maybe just watch online. And I'm so thankful for online. I'm thankful we can stream to our campuses. And I'm, I'm so grateful that we have access to this. But let me tell you, online can never replace what happens in this room. Can never replace the assembling of the saints together. Because hear this. God wants to speak some things to you that he might not speak to you until you're in community with other people. Because he's going to say it through someone else. And so Samuel's in the temple. And he's waiting for God, and God shows up, and he speaks to him, and Samuel says to him, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I want you to know that God is speaking to you, and he's going to share some things with you. As you go home today and you take that nap, as you decide, you know what, I'm not going to do this one thing, I'm going to take a walk today. As you decide to say, you know, I'm going to sit in my room and I'm going to wait, God will speak to you, and here's the prayer I want you to pray. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Samuel goes on to become one of the greatest prophets that ever lived. He was the first one to anoint the first king of Israel, Saul. He was the one who anointed David king over Israel. I really believe that what the Lord said to him and what he grabbed a hold of began to shape his future. And I wrote it down like this as we close today, that the voices we listen to will become the future that we experience. And I believe this to be so true for all of you. I want you to know this, church. We're so thankful for what we get to do. I'm so thankful for our pastor that leads us so well. But nothing can replace the voice of God in our lives. No book, no podcast, no small group curriculum, no series. All those things will enhance the voice of God. But I want you to know this right now. God is a speaking God, and he's speaking to you right now. Amen? Amen. Come on, would you stand with me as we close today? I want to close in such a way where I don't... I want you to just really posture yourself before the Lord, and I believe he's going to speak to you individually in the still, small voice. So can we just take a minute this morning? As we close, take a deep breath in. Just know that there's so many things you're about to leave and do and so many places you're going to go, but God is a God that speaks to us. So let's wait on him for a minute. 
God, we love you. Thank you, Jesus. You're a holy God. You're a God that's with us, God. You're a God that's for us, Jesus. Father, we thank you, Lord God. Never leave, never forsake you, Jesus. God is your name, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. God, we thank you, Father, so much. Now, Lord, you want to slow us down just enough so we can hear your voice. You're a God that's speaking to us. You've never stopped speaking to us, God. You're a God that's with us, Father. You're a God that leads us and guides us. You're the great shepherd. You're the great physician. Lord, I pray that everyone in this room would know that they've been fearfully and wonderfully made, that they've been created on purpose with great purpose, God. And today, may they leave this place hearing the voice of God. And as we respond in worship, Holy Spirit, once you come, you're attracted to worship, Holy Spirit. As we leave this place today, God, may we posture ourselves and receive from you, God. We love you, and we ask this in the strong name of Jesus, and we all say amen. Amen. Come on. Can we respond in worship today? Give God praise in all that he's done.